on this mountain, the Lord will make for all peoples a feast, a feast of rich food, of well-aged wine strained clear. And God will destroy the shroud cast over all peoples. And God will swallow up death forever. If you go to Jerusalem and make your way to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is also called the Church of the Resurrection, just as you go in, you'll see a long flat stone on the floor surrounded by hanging lamps. It's called the Stone of Unction, the Anointing Stone. And tradition has it that it marks the spot where Jesus's body was anointed before his hasty burial just after being taken down from the cross. And if you stand there for a while and watch, you'll see the whole world coming by. Pilgrims, tourists, locals, the pious, the curious. And some of them come in and go straight to this stone. And they prostrate themselves. They press their hands against it and press their faces against it and they kiss it, and they venerate this stone, this symbol of Jesus's body. And some people do more than this. Among Orthodox Christians, there's a tradition of buying your own burial shroud in advance and blessing it on the anointing stone. And so you carry your shroud to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the Church of the Resurrection, and you bring your shroud to this stone and you lay it out on the cool, flat marble. And as you do it, it's as if you're uniting your own death that is to come with the death of Christ. And so then you have your shroud, something to take home, something to put safely away in a closet, perhaps. Not thinking about it often, but knowing that it's there, knowing that one day it will be your home, that your friends, will spread it out over your body and that your own death is wrapped up in the death of Christ. We heard about Jesus's burial shroud today. And a chapter or two earlier in John's gospel, we heard it just two nights ago at Good Friday. We heard about that shroud and we heard about him being wrapped up in it by just two of his disciples not his closest disciples either. Just two that happened to be in the right place at the right time and have the right access to the people in charge to be able to claim his body and give it that hasty burial. And in the haste of that burial, it reminds me of what so many people around the world have experienced this year in this pandemic. As we have seen and heard about people kind of like Jesus, snatched away from the middle of life, sometimes from the middle of health, into circumstances where those who love them can't get to them. And we've heard about goodbyes said over shaking iPads, brought to the bedside by caring nurses in ICUs. Or we've heard about no goodbyes at all. And we've heard about hasty burials where loved ones have not been able to see and touch and kiss the body before it's gone. 
And we've seen images of overwhelmed funeral homes and refrigerated trucks and even sometimes mass graves. There's a kind of trauma about unexpected death. And it's a trauma that's compounded when we don't get a chance to say goodbye. Compounded also when there's no funeral, no chance to come together in community to respect and honor and love and cherish this one who has passed. So many have experienced that this year. Jesus' friends experienced something like that. And of course, Jesus died not in a pandemic, but in an act of violence at the hands of the state, in an act of the miscarriage of justice. We have seen those things this year too. Violent deaths, political deaths, deaths of the miscarriage of justice. From the streets of this country, to the streets of Hong Kong, to the streets of Burma. That is part of our story too. And it's part of this story, the Jesus story. The thing is death is hard to face. And that's true of any death. There are some deaths that seem good or at least less bad or at least fitting. The death that comes peacefully without struggle, without pain, at the end of a life that's been well-lived, we could call that a good death. And there are many deaths that don't seem good at all. The death of a child, the death that happens through violence, through war, through sudden disaster or accident, the death that comes too early, the death sometimes that takes too long to come. These are not good deaths. Our deaths are as unique as our lives, but any death leaves a hold. No death is a cause of rejoicing because every death, even the ones that come easily, leaves a hole not only in the hearts of those who grieve, but somehow also in the whole fabric of humanity. It is a disappearance. And when we're not able to hold that death together, to walk through it and bear witness to it as community, and to honor the body, that strikes in a powerful way at our humanity. One of the most beautiful lines in our burial service says, all of us go down to the dust. Yet even at the grave, we make our song. Alleluia. 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 But it's harder to feel that alleluia when there's no one at the grave to make the song. This year, many have had to find their own ways to grieve without a funeral, without a gathering, without a goodbye. And this morning we hear about Mary Magdalene doing the same thing. She wasn't able to tend to his body before it was buried. There's no gathering for a funeral. And so she does what she can. She comes early in the morning to make a solitary visit to his grave. Then something new, something utterly confusing 
something even worse that compounds the trauma she is already feeling because he's gone. As if to add one more insult, nobody. And so she summons the other disciples and they peer one by one into the tomb. There's that shroud. There's the shroud. And something new has happened. Because in all of human history up to this point, there have been countless thousands of people who have been wrapped up in their shrouds. And now for the first time, somebody took his off. Sometime deep in the mystery of that holy and terrifying night, something happened and Jesus shrugged off his shroud. And in its place, he put on immortality. Today, we are here to celebrate a liturgy that is sweet to us. That might even be the sweeter because we've been able to celebrate it so rarely this year. The liturgy of the Holy Eucharist. When we come together in the flesh to share sacred food. And this service is at the center of who we are as Jesus people. And it puts us right in touch with the deep mystery of death and the deeper mystery of resurrection. Sometimes in this liturgy, we say the words, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And every celebration of Holy Communion puts us directly into this place of Easter. It puts us in touch with Jesus's risen life. In this meal, we share in holy food and drink and we call it someone's body. But this isn't a gruesome feast because the body that we are here to share is not a dead one, it's alive. It's a body that's more alive than yours or mine or anyone's has ever been. Alive in a way that is coursing with power and glory, the resurrection life. Scripture calls Jesus the first fruits of those who have died. First fruit is what comes at the very beginning of the harvest. And it's a promise. Because if there's a first fruit, it means that there's more to come. Jesus is the only one so far who has passed not only through death, which everybody passes through, but through something new. Through what God has in store for the whole creation. A new heaven and a new earth, new and abundant life forever. A reality that is so far beyond our imagining and our words that we have pictures of it here and there throughout scripture. A holy city, a wedding, a garden, a feast. We got one picture of it from Isaiah the prophet this morning in his image of this rich feast on the top of a holy mountain where God will destroy the shroud that spread over all peoples, tear it up and destroy death forever. Jesus, the first fruits, you and me, the harvest. And not just you and me, but all creation, a new universe, risen with Christ. You know, at Christian funerals, 
we drape the caskets or the urns of our loved ones with a special kind of shroud. It's a white cloth called a pall. And it recalls the white robe that is the clothing of those who are baptized. We put on these white robes on the newly baptized because when a person is baptized, they are putting on Jesus Christ. They wear him like a garment. It means we are clothed in his life, that new life. And once we put on that garment, we never take it off. We wear it invisibly throughout our life and beyond. When we die, we carry it with us. And so for Christians, even the shroud that we wear in death is really just another sign of the garment of immortality, that God will transform our burial shroud into our heavenly wedding robe. And when the trumpet sounds, we put it on and we go to the banquet. Christ is risen. Alleluia. And in that rising, we have hope. We and all those who sleep and all those who mourn and all those who are lost in tragedy, in illness, in violence, in grief, or even at the end of a life well lived. In him, the whole in the fabric of the universe is being mended and being spun into something new. For now we live by faith, but there's more to come because we have God's promise in the resurrection of Jesus. So on that day, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples an abundant feast that never ends. But right here today, this morning, around this table, we have a foretaste. We have an appetizer, a feast of rich food, of well-aged wines strained clear. <laughs>